You're listening to Perfect Game Retirement. This is going to be a little more of a difficult episode to talk through because losing a spouse is unimaginably tough, right? Uh, But the financial implications can really add another layer of stress to the grieving process. So in this episode, we're going to dive deep into the most common financial issues faced by widows and widowers, from dealing with income gaps to navigating tax changes as a single filer. We really want to explore some actionable strategies as well to address these problems, such as the importance of life insurance and the ins and outs of spousal pension continuation. So this episode is for you if you're concerned at all with ensuring the financial well-being of your remaining family family members, and safeguarding your financial future and legacy in the face of loss. Welcome to the Perfect Game Retirement Podcast with former professional baseball player and now financial coach at Black Oak Asset Management, Ryan Ledman. This show will help you make the right financial decisions so you can pitch a perfect game in retirement. Here's the windup and the delivery. Welcome in, Ryan. Glad to talk to you again today. How's everything? Yeah, things are well. I mean, by, by the time this episode uh, airs, I guess we'll be right around, gosh, what, Halloween? Is that right? Yeah, right right about it. Yeah, and then we're all full-on holiday mode at that point. Full-on holiday mode. I mean, I was at Target yesterday getting some stuff for the office, and yep, Christmas stuff everywhere. Yeah, no. Yeah, Costco <laughs> had Christmas stuff all over the place already. So <laughs> we, we, skipped, like, we skipped months. I mean, I, I remember, like, I think, Months ago, we we're seeing, seeing already seeing Halloween stuff, so uh, mm-hmm. it's no surprise. I know we all try to rush to the holidays, but I'm I'm fine taking my time getting there because once it hits, it feels like it's just a never ending like chore. Not really chore, but there's always something on the schedule, always somewhere you have to be, and just kind of rolls into the next holiday. And next thing you know, it's January first. Yeah, I mean, we're looking at doing something with the um, office here, like Christmas party. This was like a few weeks ago. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you got to start planning this stuff. And it's barely September. (laughs) It is. It is. So, well, hopefully you're all uh, listening wherever you're listening from. Hope you're having a good week. We've got a a tougher topic today to deal with, Ryan. I know this is one that not everyone wants to really think about, right? So when you lose a spouse, obviously it's a very emotional period. It's one of the toughest times in your life. And you're having to move on, you know, by yourself, but you talk about the grief that comes along with that, but this added financial element is, is really what make, can really make it difficult, right? If you haven't been prepared, if you haven't, if you're just someone that doesn't really pay attention to the finances, all of a sudden you're in charge. There's a lot of things that go into it, but it can be very difficult having to kind of navigate all these financial decisions that need to be made right after the death of your spouse. Yeah, and I think it, just in the last two years, um, you know, I, I've dealt with death of clients or extended family of clients since I've been in the business. But it just seems like the last two years, and I don't know if it's that you know that that early portion of the baby boomer generation who's getting to that age, but it and it's not always uh, older. Uh, individuals. I've had people that have passed that were much younger. Um, so it, it, it comes at all ages, at all times. We all, we all know this. Um, but trying to navigate the finances, and again, usually it is one, one spouse that's kind of in control or in charge of these things, and the other spouse is now left like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Um, so kind of getting ahead of this and, and some things to think about um, obviously we walk our clients through that when they, when they do have a spouse that passes away to help them out in any way possible, but it's a real thing. And, and it's something that's, it's not an easy transition. I had a recent, uh, client, uh, pass away who was not old and, um, met with the spouse and they said, you know, life, life 
continues to be thrown at you. It's not like all of a sudden, okay, my spouse has passed away. Let me just take some time. No, it just, life just keeps happening. It keeps happening. And you get this stuff thrown at you and this stuff, like a lot of times it gets overwhelming. So having someone to, that can help you out afterwards is, is where we like to, to help people out in that situation. Absolutely. So we're going to try to go through this today, talk about some of the areas, again, is that can be difficult and some of the challenges are there and really how, how to solve for these things and some planning strategies you can take on now. So for those people that have lost their spouse and, and they come to you, you know, trying to, I know the first question is always, am I okay, right? Am I going to be okay? What are some of the problems that you see for people in these situations? Yeah. I mean, when it, when it comes to their, their finances, um, you know, sometimes there is a income change. Now it could be a variety of different things, but you know, one is probably the most um, relevant is a, a social security benefit is lost. So the, the, the silver lining of social security is you get, you get to keep the higher of the two. And so if you have a, a spouse, my husband, wife, and one passes away, the higher benefit stays with whoever's left behind. So that's good. But at the same time, the other benefit is gone, whether the spouse is claiming their own benefit or a spousal benefit, something's going to be lost. And so it's now one income coming in from Social Security. Well, some people think, well, okay, obviously it's only one person, so that's only fair. Well, sure, it's fair, but it's still an income adjustment that you have to think about. Um, what, what also catches people off guard, and this happened to a client that I had that the, the pension decision was made probably a decade or two before I started working with them and they thought the their they were going to receive their husband's full pension benefit and they did not they received half and that's a huge shot so not only is the social security benefit cut now your pension is cut in half that that's a big that's a big change um, now if you have mortgage payments and debt still that's really really tough now if you don't have those debt payments then okay it's probably manageable, but it's still a sticker shock, if you will, on a monthly basis, because you're used to that income. And it's hard to make a 50% adjustment <laughs> to income, uh, even though it is 50% of you that are left behind, it's still difficult to do that. And from a from a taxation standpoint, you get a couple years. Um, now, again, consult your CPA on this, but you can still file, marry, filing jointly if your spouse passes away that year. And then I think for the next two years, you can file widow status, which is basically marry, filing jointly from a tax table standpoint. But then after that, it's it's single filer. And if you've never compared the, the two tax, the, the taxation percentages are still the same, but the income thresholds are very, very different. So it's very easy to move through the income tax bracket. So a lot of times you lose a spouse and then you get thrown to a higher tax bracket, which sometimes makes, you may think that makes no sense. Well, take a look at it. Look at the tax tables. I didn't make them up, <laughs> hmm. um, but there is some some financial benefit of Mary filing jointly versus filing uh, single once your spouse has passed away. So there's there's adjustments, not only from an income standpoint or an income gap standpoint, but from a taxation standpoint that we've seen happen many times over. Well, let's address that income gap then, that problem, because this is one that will, will probably keep people up at night, right? When, you, when you're trying to figure out how am I going to pay for things? How can I cover whatever expenses? So you obviously can do some planning ahead of time in order to account for that and be prepared for that. So how, how do you solve for that through, through planning? 
Yeah, I mean, some of the biggest, and I shed some light on the one previous, but if you do have a pension, is the spousal continuation. So keeping that income going. So I'd, I would rather take a little bit of a monthly hit, meaning getting less per month, knowing that my spouse will continue on and receive the exact same amount. So that's that's one area to be uh, familiar with. And if you haven't claimed that, if you do have a job that you will get a pension, there's a lot of things that go into it. Like I said before in previous episodes, how much assets do you have outside of it? What kind of Social Security benefits do both of you have? And is there an age discrepancy? Is there a health discrepancy? You know, if, if one spouse is very, very sick, then chances are they're, they're probably not going to live beyond the other spouse. So maybe you do take, if you're the one receiving a pension and your spouse is the one who's sick, well, maybe you do take the highest option, uh, highest payout, because they're probably not going to supersede you in, in death. So again, a lot of things that factor in into it, but getting some sort of a spousal continuation. And I'm usually, the, the previous example I gave was half, um, 50% joint survivor. I would at least go 100% joint survivor or 75%, meaning you get a certain amount while you're both alive, and then when one passes away, you get 75% of that total. Or when uh, 100% is you get the same amount no matter what, no matter who's alive. So that's the one I usually kind of go toward, but there are some some strategies to, to, to claim that. Maybe you get a higher benefit, but you have other assets to supplement any income hit once that one spouse passes away. Um, the easiest influx of capital and potential income is life insurance. Um, I get so many people that go, oh, I'm going to be retired. I'm going to be this. I have no debt. I don't need life insurance. Well, you may not need life insurance. When you get to that age, it's a want. Either want it or you don't. So there are great life insurance policies out there that last that more toward like a whole life type policy or an IUL or something, but it's going to give your spouse some sort of cash flow insurgents right away, whether it's paying for costs that you may have as soon as someone passes passes away, but you can also turn that lump sum into an income stream, whether that's an annuity or an, a, a, a SPIA, um, single premium immediate annuity, where it, it just, it supercharges your income, or at least it supercharges your, your nest egg, because that life insurance is tax-free. And it, it adds to the estate of the person that is passing away, which we talked about before, estate planning, Chances are you're not going to have a state tax issue whatsoever, but it does count toward your their estate. But it doesn't; it's not taxable to to the beneficiary. So making sure you have that. Um, there's some Social Security claiming strategies as well. Uh, I'm not going to I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole in this episode. But those are some things that maybe you take a spousal benefit and let your own benefit continue to grow, and then switch it later. Anyway, so those are some ways to maybe make up that income gap uh, after your spouse passes. Okay, very good. So a lot of things to be thinking about and some discussions to be had with your advisor. Um, let's shift gears a little bit then. So there's obviously other people to take care of in the family. So once you know that the spouse is taken care of, you can focus on the family, kids, grandkids. Um, are there any common mistakes in this area that you see when you're working with people? Yeah, I mean, you're right. They, they focus on their spouse first. And once kind of all those mental boxes are checked, if you will, mm -hmm. then it's okay. What's, what's the next lineage down? What legacy am I leaving my kids? And 
where, where I've seen um, these things kind of go wrong, if you will, or maybe not the right way is if there's not communication. I think there should be communication before this happens. Like, hey, this is how my estate is going to go. Here's, you know, we have a will and here's how the trust is laid out. You know, you're not going to receive this huge pot of money at once. You're going to receive this and there's going to be a trustee that controls the money and you get it here. So being very candid and open communication, I think is better than just going, oh, they'll find out later after I'm dead. I I don't like that reason. There's truth to that reason. I don't like that reason. If you're really intentional about who you're leaving behind, I think communication is is better uh, to do so. Um, so you got to communicate again, making sure those beneficiary forms are updated. Oh my gosh, I've seen them where they're wrong. Um, when we get clients, I'm like, is this your right beneficiary? Oh no, it's my ex-spouse. Like, oh my gosh, uh, or this is my you know this is my second marriage. And so if you if you put your second spouse on there, you're basically de-inheriting your, your kids. Uh, so there's ways around that to still take care of your second spouse, but still take care of your kids if something happens as well, especially through trusts and things of that nature. There, there's planning strategies that you can do that you can still take care of your, your second spouse, but still take care of your kids maybe from your first marriage. There's, there's ways to do that, that, that money doesn't get quote unquote lost to the second spouse. And then the kids receive nothing. I've seen it happen before, but, um, there's ways around that. And then again, leaving accounts to them that they have to pay huge amount of taxes to, which again, some people can argue, Hey, they're at least receiving this. They can afford to pay the taxes. True. Very true. Uh, but just being intentional, like if you want to leave them with a huge nest egg, that's not going to be, leave them a huge tax burden because again, the tax burden is very different for inherited IRAs. Now they got to take this money out within 10 years. And if you have a sizable IRA pre-tax account, that could be, that could be a lot of taxes that they're going to have to pay. Again, I get it. Some people will say, well, at least they're getting that. I understand that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be intentional and you're caring about your family, maybe you do some things that prevent this huge nest egg that they're going to inherit that is not all pre-tax. Well, you mentioned trust there. And I know we get a lot of questions about trusts and whether they're, if they're a good idea or not in order to preserve family wealth. What's your take on, on trusts? I like them. They're going. They, they. They're again for an attorney to set these things up. They're going. They're going to take some time. They're going to take some money, uh, which is I'm okay with because it lays everything out how how you want it done, and, and especially if you have young kids uh, like I do. So they're they're not going to inherit um, my practice. They're not going to inherit life insurance if something God forbid happened to me and my wife at the same time. So. There's trust. There is trustees that control that. Um, you know who gets my kids. Blah blah blah. But there's control on that uh, on that life insurance money, the assets that we have. This the secession plan for my business obviously has really nothing to do with my kids because um, I don't. They're twelve and nine. I don't know if they want to be advisors one day. So I'm going to assume they don't want to be, and they want to do their own thing. If you ask my son, he'll says he's going to play in the NFL. I'm like, okay, great, <laughs> play in the NFL. I'll be I'll be your financial advisor. There you go. <laughs> um, but just con- again, I, I've said it before. It's controlling it from the grave. So we stipulate exactly. Hey, at this age, they get this. When they graduate college, they get this. When they turn thirty, when they turn forty, when they turn forty-five, you can go as far out as you want to. So pay a little extra money and you can control and have this thing set up to where you want it exactly done how you want it done. 
versus just going, oh, yeah, we're, we're good. We got beneficiary forms figured out. Um, and you don't put contingents on there. You just put your spouse and that's it. Well, that's going to go through probate. They got to figure that out. Now, it, it will pass on to your kids, but how is that set up? It's don't leave that up to the courts and to the state. Leave that up to you. All right. Very good. I know this is, uh, is something that most people dread thinking about, uh, and, and rightfully so, but there are some things you can do now and prepare yourself for this possibility, right? And make sure you're you're taken care of. The last thing you want to do is have to worry about, you know, where your income is going to come from or how much money you have or, or how you're going to pay for your bills the next month uh, when you're dealing with everything else that comes along with this situation. So if you have questions, you want to sit down and get everything sorted out on your end, please reach out to Ryan. The team at Black Oak Asset Management are happy to help you. You can find them online at blackoakam.com. Also, the phone number, 470-508-0508. All right, let's turn to the mailbag. Got a question for you this week that came in from Randall. I've never worked with a financial advisor before, but I'm thinking it might be time to start as I get closer to, to retirement. What are the things I'd be most likely to mess up if I try to do it all on my own? Hmm, good question. What things are I most likely to mess up? Well, it could be a variety of things. Randall, I don't know what your area of expertise are, but I mean, obviously it's a biased answer. I think hiring an advisor, again, whether it's us or somebody else that you trust, it just takes one thing off your plate in retirement. You want to get to retirement and worry about as least amount of things as possible. And I think money is a big part of that. And if you can get someone that you trust and, and you don't have to worry about that, I, sign me up. I mean, if I... If I was not an advisor at my age, I'd probably be doing this on my own, the investing part. But once I got to retirement, I'm like, okay, this is a completely different animal. There's a lot of stuff I don't know about how to decumulate my assets. When am I claiming social security taxes? What does that look like? What is Medicare? What plans am I? I I would not want to do that on my own. So that's sometimes where if I think people don't need an advisor, I'll tell them that. And I'm like, you know, but maybe as you get closer to retirement, this is something you offload on someone else, maybe us, maybe somebody else. But I do think we take a lot of the emotion out of money. It's always going to be emotional, but if the market is going down and you're all you have to do is click a button which even if we do manage money for people, they can go in there a lot of times and they can do their own thing if they need to or want to. But I just think it, it's a bo- we're a voice of reason. I think that's where a lot of times we earn our money is talking people off the financial ledge, if you will, when it comes to when markets move and go crazy and elections pop up and the media is going crazy. There's too much noise out there and we try to be that voice of reason that's, that's providing knowledge and and wisdom, not just information that you can get at any time you want to. So, uh, Randall, I don't know what what would be the most likely to mess up, but I think the emotions would be the thing that we could help out the most or any advisor could help out with the most when it comes to your your financial plan. Awesome. Great question. Randall, we appreciate that. All right, let's, let's throw one your way, a personal one to finish our getting to know you segment to close out today's show. So I know you, you've traveled uh, a good bit, and um, I don't know that any any of the places on your minor league uh, schedule might <laughs> fall under this. <laughs> it might no. be one of your answers, Ryan. <laughs> but what's the most beautiful place you've ever visited? <laughs> yeah, no disrespect to yeah, those little exactly. minor league cities, but 
nothing's jumping off the page except for <laughs> Myrtle Beach and because we got to go to the beach. But I mean, Myrtle Beach is Myrtle Beach. Um, you know, I haven't been anywhere like super exotic. I mean, I've been to Mexico, Caribbean. Uh, I mean, I am kind of a beach bum. I like that sort of thing. But I've never been like to Europe or the Far East or anything like that. But I mean, I'm an outdoors guy. So um, honestly, going to Colorado and sitting at, you know, 11,000 feet with no cell phone reception and snow on the ground and my camo gear on and a rifle in my hand. I mean, that's, that's probably the most uh, beautiful place I've been. Cause it's just, it's, the scenery is unbelievable. But even going to Colorado when, uh, in the middle of summer, I mean, we've been on some hikes that I have some pictures that it's just like, Oh my God, I, I even look back. It was a cut. I went this past summer, but the summer before mm-hmm. and looking at some of the, the, lakes on top of these huge mountains that we climbed on top of and i'm like that is unbelievable i still can't believe that i've been to some there that looks like that it just looks like a postcard or a so i'd probably say at least for me um it, it's been in in the rocky mountains in the middle of the woods whether it's with my family on a on a hike or me and my buddies uh hunting for elk one of the two <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah, it's it is a beautiful area. It's no surprise that that more more people move out there uh, because mm-hmm. you know you have if you can deal with if you find activities doing the snow. There's plenty. I mean, even if you don't like to ski, snow snowmobiling is pretty awesome and hunting, obviously. But then yeah, the summer months are, are just as as gorgeous and beautiful as this as the winter. So it yep. is a cool area. All right, very good, uh, Ryan. That's a wrap on this week's episode of Perfect Game Retirement. Again, if you need help, uh, want to think ahead and uh, have your finances in order in the event that you know you lose your spouse, uh, you definitely want to have that plan in place and take the step today to do that. Just visit blackoakam.com or call 470-508-0508. Ryan, hope you have a good week. We'll talk soon. You too. The Perfect Game Retirement Podcast is brought to you by Black Oak Asset Management, serving the greater Atlanta area with offices in Alpharetta and Macon. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Perfect Game Retirement to find us. You can also visit blackoakam.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Ryan Ledner, and to learn more about how to pitch a perfect game in retirement. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Please consult with a qualified professional before taking any action. Securities and registered investment advisory services offered through Silver Oak Securities, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Black Oak Asset Management and Silver Oak Securities, Inc. are not affiliated.